You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into our first episode of the Bobcast here at 610sports.com, an extension of 610 Sports Radio. And throughout the uh, journey, I guess you could say, on these podcasts, we're going to take a look at people that have made Kansas City sports interesting, from on-field to off-field to coaches to players to everybody in between. And we start off our first episode with probably the most famous sports fan in all of the United States of America, and he became famous right here in Kansas City. He's been at every single sporting event that you can imagine over the last five years, and he's living every person's dream. He's going to horse racing, he's going to Super Bowls, he's going to NBA Finals, Final Fours, and every baseball game you can imagine. And he's always dressed in that orange jersey, sitting in the best seats possible. It's Lawrence Levy, Marlins man. Lawrence, thank you for being the guinea pig on this uh, kind of test drive of the uh, of the Bobcast, if you will. I'm actually honored to be your first guest, and whatever else happens, the rest of my life, I can always say I was the first podcast. Yeah, you can actually. Yeah, you can say that. There's no doubt about it. All right, right. Let, let's go back. We're gonna take, we're gonna take a long journey on this podcast since there is no rush, there's no time constraints or anything like that. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. Back in 2001, you kind of started this thing going. Take me to that first game where you had this moment of man, I want to do this. In 2001, I was in law school. This is a, you always get questions nobody else ever thought about. You're amazing like that. Thank you. <laughs> you do your homework. And I'm telling you, hours went into watching yeah, and preparing for this. I um, appreciate it. And a guy named Peter Heller, his dad was a minority owner of the Yankees, and I used to take him to Dolphin games when I was in law school. And he said, hey, do you want to go to the World Series? I said, I've never been to the World Series. Who's playing? <laughs> he goes, the Yankees and the Dodgers. Shows how little I knew about sports then. So we flew to New York, and we went with the team. And then we flew on the team plane to L.A., which turned out to be a very important trip for me because I actually met a girl from him. I started dating for years in L.A. And what happened was we were at the World Series. The Yankees won the first two games, and they thought they were going to sweep. Well, instead, the Dodgers won all three and went back to New York, and they won game six, and the Dodgers won the World Series. But the energy and the enthusiasm I saw was amazing for me because I had never, ever been to a World Series and seen that. I've been to a bunch of Super Bowls because I've been a bunch in Miami. But a World Series is 10 times more exciting than a Super Bowl. So this was what year was this, 1977, 78, when the Dodgers and Yankees were in the World it Series? It was 19... Or 81, uh, maybe? No, it was 1981. So 1981. That was 81. the first kind of moment for that you. That was 81 when I started. And what also happened then, which, and this is a true story, is... An, your listeners are probably too young to remember this. Steinbrenner was super mad that Reggie Jackson had blown three balls in right field. And the day after game five ended, he showed up at the airport with a cast on his arm. And he claimed he'd been accosted in the elevator and attacked by Dodgers fans and beat them up. I'm going to tell you that's not true. I'm going to tell you I rode the elevator up with him and Peter Heller wearing my Florida State jacket. And Peter Heller wearing his Columbus Clippers Yankees jacket and Steinbrenner was drunk and pissed off at Reggie and later on we heard he punched the wall and broke his hand out of anger and went to the hospital so on the way to New York he said to Peter and I so where do you want to sit for the game because we didn't know what was going on right and he says we want to move up to first class and I said what's going on Peter 
And then we later on heard that Steinbrenner was saying when he went up in the elevator, he was attacked and he wanted to make sure that nobody ever knew he really wasn't attacked. So if people have Google, look at Steinbrenner broken hand and see if he, about the mysterious Dodgers fans that beat him up. Never happened. Have you I, ever told that story before? No. So this is the first time that you're sharing that story with, with George I, I, I might have told some friends, but we promised Steinbrenner we would never tell anybody. And then when Peter and I talked when he wasn't alive anymore, we said, now we could probably say something. But when you asked me at the hospital once, hey, tell me something nobody else knows. And yeah. I talked about the Black Sox scandal in my family. Mm -hmm. I forgot to mention you about the Steinbrenner thing. So that's a true story where if you look it up, Steinbrenner, it was for years. And now in social media, people would have probably figured something out. But back then in 1981, we didn't have any things we have now. So that's how I got started in baseball. And then what happened was the Marlins didn't have a team till 1993. Mm -hmm. So I was an Atlanta Braves fan. And I got really into the Braves, but the Braves never won anything. And then when they finally got good, because they were called the Bad News Braves, they could never win a World Series. So, in fact, the Braves have only won one. And what happened in Florida was I got my own law firm. And in Florida, if you want to send me some good cases or you send me some good cases... I'm not allowed to give you money for the cases. I can't say here's $100. It's illegal. It's like ambulance chasing. They're very, very strict about that. But I am allowed to give you tickets. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I bought the best seats I could, no matter what it cost, for the Dolphins, the Hurricanes, the Panthers, and the Marlins. I always had the best seats. So people knew, hmm, should I send this case here or here? I was getting the best cases and taking maybe only 10% of them. And when you take only one out of 10 cases and they're all great, it's very efficient. That's how I've got my firm built up big. And over time, when it, those teams got bad and nobody wanted to go anymore, I started giving the tickets more to friends and family. And then eventually when they really got bad, I started giving them to strangers. And that's how the Marlins Man thing started. It didn't start traveling the country. It started in South Florida with bad teams be giving tickets to strangers and being happy. I could write a check to American Heart, American Cancer for $50,000, where I could buy $50,000 in tickets and hand it to people who are disabled, who could be either a spelling bee winner, a, a war veteran. It doesn't matter. I, it's like United Nations to me. And it started that way. And it got to be a nationwide story starting here in Kansas City in 2014. Like, who is that guy in orange? Mm -hmm. And that's how it's, Kansas City really made it a nationwide story. Because when I was in San Francisco in 12... Nobody really said anything about it. Well, and, and that's what I was going to get to in this. The 2014 World Series I have written down, that was the first time America really noticed you. I mean, you're sitting in a stadium of blue in this orange. What was it like for you to be, quote-unquote, discovered for the first time? Well, what's even more ironic about that, and this happened last night. Somebody asked me about this at the KU game. Um, I was here the week before the World Series. You guys, the, the Royals were playing the Baltimore Orioles. I went to Baltimore in that rain game, and everybody in Kansas City kept saying, you got to come to Kansas City, you got to come to Kansas City. So I went there, and there were a tremendous amount of Oriole fans who came to Kansas City who bought seats. So there was a lot of orange in the Crown Club. Mm -hmm. Nobody said a word to me in the ALCS. But when we got to the World Series, I was sitting by myself, and all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up. My friends are telling me, have you seen what you look like? You look like Rudolph the Orange-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> I go, what are you talking about? You're the only orange. I go, where are the Giants fans? Because from where I'm sitting, I could see Giants fans around, but not at home plate. And then what made everything blow up is when the Royals 
he's probably listening, or he will be listening, Steve Schiffman, was sent down to ask me to put on a Royals jersey. And Steve was very polite and said that the owner of the Royals sent him down and said that I was distracting from the success of the team, not distracting the pitcher. And he, and Steve said, when I said no, Steve kept upping the ante. How about a Royals jersey? How about a bat signed by the whole team? How about a World Series ball signed by the team? You know, how about sitting with the another suite with the governor of Missouri or something? I kept saying no, no, no. Right. So he was very polite. And what made it blow up, which I didn't know, is that some media people asked the Royals if they had asked me to do this, and the Royals said, absolutely not. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And luckily for me, people started sending me pictures of Schiffman and I talking. Uh, in between the two sections, there's an elevator, and we were actually standing up and talking in the back. And I said, if you didn't talk to me, what's that? Then the Royals came back and said, oh, we made a mistake. It was a big misunderstanding. No, so- no, 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 no. So what was what was the ultimate offer for you where you may have considered taking the jersey off? Was there something that, that got you to, to the point where you're like, all right, sure, I'll be willing I to take I the jersey off? I think I might have said off. to Steve something, and I'm not positive, or I was thinking of asking him, do you have an orange Royals jersey? Like, I might have worn an orange Royals jersey. Yeah. And Royals, if you make me an orange Royals jersey, I would wear it. I saw the Omaha Storm Chasers did that for you. Yes. You wore an Omaha Storm Chasers yes. orange jersey. Yes, they made an orange. They had me go there. And you know what's funny is I didn't realize that was the Royals minor league team. Mm-hmm. And as I walked around, if you haven't ever been there, there's all these poles and posters honoring like Jack McKeon, Jeff Conine. A lot of people tied in with the Royals and the Marlins. There's a lot of history with those two teams. And, um, yeah, they had me wear – they made a jersey for me that was orange. That's pretty cool. Lawrence Levy, the Marlins man, with us here on the first edition of the Bobcast at 610sports.com, our new venture into the podcast fray, if you will. There's been, there's so much to discuss with you and, and, and so much to talk about, you know, with you as, as we go along through this. I, I'm going to call it a journey. And, and there's so many just different questions and different ways to go. You said in an interview at one time, you get attention from people you can't imagine. Who are some of these people that you've gotten attention from where maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, you never would have thought on planet Earth? you would have had the opportunity to mingle with these folks? It's another great question. Thank you. And I'll give you some celebrity names. Like in 2012, the Marlins changed the name from Florida Marlins to Miami. Mm -hmm. They also changed their color scheme from teal to orange. So I knew that on day games, the Marlins were wearing orange. Only day games. That was what they did. So by accident, the heat got good. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. And I never planned this. What you see happen was never like some marketing thing. What happened was the Heat got to the playoffs, and you said it's a journey, and the Marlins moved their 7 o'clock game to 4. Since it was a day game, you're wearing orange. Sure. So I put on my orange jersey. I go to the Marlins game. It goes to extra innings. When I get to the Heat arena, and it was a playoffs, I think, against the Indiana Pacers, this new thing, and this is years ago, when they all wear the same color shirt, there was a white shirt on every chair from some bank. Well, when I got there late, somebody had stolen my shirt. So the whole arena is in white, and I'm in orange. And the Heat are losing by 14 points, and they come back and win. So Mike Miller, who's a Heat player, sends me a text message, wear that lucky jersey the next time. I never in my life would have thought Mike Miller would have reached out to me. I don't even know how he got my cell phone number. We win. Two days later, I get a text message. Hi, this is Dwayne Wade. Wear the lucky jersey again. 
Dwayne Wade is writing to me? Okay? Everybody knows LeBron doesn't like me. Okay? For another reason. When I won a charity auction, I got to sit on the heat bench in Pat Riley's seats. Mm-hmm. I wore a Dwayne Wade jersey, LeBron's first year. He looked at me and said, why aren't you wearing my jersey, man? Everybody wears my jersey. And I said to him, because <laughs> you have never won anything. Dwayne Wade has a championship already. So LeBron got all pissed off and told me I had to move. And, and Riley said, you can't make a move. He won that in the Make-A-Wish charity auction. You have to sit next to him. Right. So LeBron and I never really got along after that. So LeBron really is very thin-skinned then, huh? Yeah, he's like he's like a big kid. He's fun, but he's a big kid. I he's, mean, that that's really like. I mean, who cares what jersey you're wearing? Like, why yeah. get why get bent about something? He was like bent. That? I was. He's just. I was wearing a Dwayne Wade three. He didn't like that. So that's how it started. Now, when he got good, the girl I was dating lived in New York. So every weekend we would try and get together and do things. So we decided to fly to different cities. When Heat won 27 games in a row, we went to a lot of them. And what happened was that I had worn that jersey, and then when I didn't wear it one game, because a, a different girl I was dating back in the beginning, mm-hmm. she said, don't wear that ugly thing. To, we want to go to dinner at Joe's afterwards. Well, he lost. Well, the headline the next day on the Internet wasn't that Dwayne Wade missed the last shot of the game and LeBron James was cold. It was the creamsicle, because it wasn't called Marlins Man yet, the creamsicle jinxed him by not wearing his jersey. So when I wore that jersey all the way through their first championship against the OKC Thunder, when all of the banners and stuff is coming down, there's a whole wall of white, and there's this orange thing right behind the heat bench, which was me. And that's kind of how it started. So now, in 2013, I went to the World Series in 12 because one of my former secretaries was a Giants, moved to San Francisco Giants fan. Mm -hmm. And she said, hey, will you come and go with me to the World Series? I won the raffle for my law firm to go to the game. So I go with her, and, I, and she goes, and bring your orange jersey and match with the Giants. Well, we didn't know the seats were right there behind home plate. Sure. So people are like, wait, that's not Giants orange. Wait, that's not Giants. What the heck? That's a Marlins jersey? Yeah. So I didn't do any interviews. I wasn't called Marlins man then. I didn't make the name up. And then that was in 12. Now we go to 13, which is the heat. I went around the country, and I went to 18 playoff games in 19 days in different cities. Every day I got up. And I went to a different city. So here we go. About who, you asked me a question. Who did I meet? Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, uh-huh. who I worshipped in the in the Heat first NBA championship, comes up to me and says, "Are you the guy I saw in L.A. last night? Yeah. And you were in you were in Oakland the night before. Uh huh. In Miami before that. Uh huh. And you were in you know New York. Yeah. Huh. He goes, I want a selfie with you. So here is Shaq asking me. Permission for a selfie with me. Right. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I have met a lot of guys. I've had people reach out to me, like Antoine Jameson, who's now in L.A., or Latrice Sprewell, people I never imagined in a million years would reach out to me for advice or to help them out or come visit their schools or help with their charities. And I've also had a chance to meet people I never would have dreamt about. Like I, when I bought my Mets season tickets, Blumberg from the Blumberg Report, Cena came up to me and said, I don't know who you are, but my kid wants a picture, or my grandkid wants a picture with you. Right. Okay? And the reason why I started helping out schools, like last night I took Carla Krebs, who is the retired phys ed teacher at Hazel Grove Elementary here in Kansas City who started me on the kids stuff, mm-hmm. is that I went to a Mets game, and I'm at a Mets game, and I'm at the screen, and this little kid about eight or nine years old comes up to me and says, Sir... Can you sign my ball, and can I take a picture with you? You're my idol. You're a legend. Wow. I'm like, I'm an idol and a legend. I'm just a guy wearing an orange hat and shirt. So I said, yeah, and I go, how'd you get down here? 
And he says, I can go wherever I want to go because who my parents are. I go, where are your parents at? And he points over there, and it's Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Mark Parker from Sex in the City. Right. And Matthew Broderick's kid is worshiping me and wants a picture. And I look over, and they're waving at me. Right. Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick are waving at me. Did so, you wave back? Yeah, I waved back. Right, yeah. And I told the kid, go tell your dad, shall we play a game? He goes, what? Just go tell him. It's from his first hit movie, Shall We Play a Game? He goes back and tells Matthew Broderick, shall we play a game? He stands up and yells, Whopper, Whopper, which is the name of the computer. The guy next to me says, tell him to sit down. There's no Burger King here. I go, <laughs> buddy, that's not the Whopper hamburger. It's the Whopper computer in the movie War Games. So that's an example of the type of people that I've met. I have been like in Houston. I met the guy who I sit with that we call him the LSU guy because I got him to start wearing his jersey. Yeah, He was a supervisor at oil refinery, BP, that blew up. And I think 13 or 15 people died, 13 on his crew, and it took him out of the rubble and he lost his leg. And he's a big LSU fan. And from him, I met people on oil wells. I met other team owners. I've met a lot of people in cities who are the most successful people in that city having the best seats. And they all come up to me like so ecstatic to meet me. I don't even know who they are, most of them. For example, in New York at the Yankees game, if he's listening, Larry Rosen. Larry Rosen owned Rose Art. What's Rose Art? That's the company that makes all the crayons and stuff. And he just sold his business for a ton of money. I met him. I met movie producers. I met a lot of actors and actresses that come up to me. And the first thing I say to myself is, they look a lot skinnier in person. I didn't realize how the camera makes you like really get, does. Get yeah. Weight. Believe me, like, I know. Wait. Yeah. You're that you're that person. You look a lot smaller in person. Yeah. You know, I, a lot of that. Um, when I met Mark Anthony, the same thing. Mark Anthony is a little guy, and I but he always looks so much bigger to me. When I met Sylvester Stallone, he was really little too. Here I'm thinking about Rocky and Rambo, and I think they must do all the camera angles from the floor to make him look big. Because when you see him next, but he's like Tom Cruise. He's met him too. He's little. Tony Danza's little as well. I met him one time. I couldn't believe how little Tony Danza was. Like, I think really they tiny. use camera angles or they hire short people to make them look taller. Yeah. What's the best game you had tickets for that never happened? In 1980 Olympics, I was going to Lake, and I did go to Lake Placid. Were so, you at the infamous Russia America? That's why I blew out blue. I traded. See, back then you didn't have internet. Right. You didn't have StubHub or brokers. You had to order the tickets online. There was a lottery, and they sent you whatever tickets. I got a couple of different sets of tickets, but I really wanted to go to the bobsled finals because they had something back then called the Jamaican bobsled. You probably don't remember. Sure. Or you do remember? Yeah. You're too young, though, I yeah. thought. Okay, well, I wanted to go to see the Jamaican bobsled. So I traded hockey. This is before the Olympics started. Hockey semifinals for bobsled finals, okay? I traded with my friend in New York because he had he had bobsled finals. So I'm in Lake Placid, and it turns out that USA-Russia is not the championship. Right. It's the semifinal, and it's the tickets I had. I had tickets to the Miracle on Ice, traded out to go to the bobsled, and I had to watch it on the wall, on the, TV, on the projection wall they had, Outside the arena. And I was outside the arena in Lake Placid when all that happened inside. Well, that sucks. That so sucks. those are the, I had tickets <laughs> to that event 
and that's the one ticket event I had tickets to that I didn't go to in the rest of my life. I'm going to know that. We will continue on with our conversation with Marlins Man, but first, a quick message from our sponsor at Red Door Grill. You guys have heard me talk about Red Door Grill for almost a year now on 610 Sports Radio, and they're the proud sponsor of the Bobcast. And I'll tell you what, I'm a proud eater at Red Door Grill. In fact, my family and I love going to Red Door Grill, not just on Mondays for burgers or Thursdays for fried chicken, but just about every single day of the week. Because every time we walk into a Red Door Grill location, we're walking out of there feeling satisfied, feeling great, and knowing we got some of the best food in Kansas City. $5 burgers on Monday is where the week starts. You're not going to find a better deal than that. The best burger in town for just $5. You want some fries, it'll cost you a buck more. And then on Thursday, we have the jalapeno-dipped fried chicken. That fried chicken starts marinating on Monday. It marinates on Tuesday. It marinates on Wednesday. It's got the herbs and spices to get into that chicken. And then, boom, they flash fry it on Thursday to give you the best fried chicken that you'll ever have. And then, of course, happy hour every weekday, Monday through Friday from 4 to 7. That's where we cash in sometimes on uh, Fridays as well. Enjoy those great drinks. Enjoy the great appetizer specials four to seven every single weekday at Red Door Grill. And with three locations, there's one close to everybody. 159th and Antioch, 119th and uh, Row in Town Center Plaza in Leewood and Camelot Court. And of course, you can find the location in Brookside as well. It's Red Door Grill. Marlon's man with us here talking about life and sports and everything in general. And, and that leads us into life a little bit. You were misdiagnosed with liver cancer, but it helped create who you are and what you did. How did that, quote-unquote, like being saved from cancer kind of change It's perfect when you ask that question because we had just finished talking about what I did in 15 with with the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. Okay. So in March of 16, which is an off-season, I have trouble, and they think that I have kidney stones. So they sent me for this thing called an MRI, and the CAT scan showed a big growth on my liver. And they told me that we don't want to scare you, but you got to go for an MRI. I go for the MRI, and the radiologist tells me, you have a huge growth on your liver. I think you have liver cancer. I go to my general physician who sees the CAT scan, and he sees the MRI. It says, rule out liver cancer. He says, I think you have liver cancer. And it's so big. You know, do you have a well? Have you made your arrangements? Because I don't think you have six months. And I was like, wow, here I went from living until I was in my 90s like my grandparents to live in six months with no kids and no family. Wow. So I didn't tell anybody about it, but I started doing things differently. Like I started selling a lot of my coin stamp collections and my stamp collection. I started like liquidating my assets except my buildings and stuff. And then one of my friends said, did you ever go to a specialist? I said, I went for the testing. So I go to a specialist, and he says, you don't have yellow fingernails and yellow eyes. It's, you're not that advanced. This is the head of the cancer, the liver cancer at Jackson Hospital, which is like your KU. And so they send me for this biopsy thing, and they come back and they tell me that I don't have liver cancer. Hmm. I just had this big growth like hematoma, and it's not life-threatening at all. And all of a sudden, I went from living six months to living – 30 years maybe. But I was having so much you fun. Got your life back. Yeah, but I was having so much fun living like there's no... I didn't take crap from anybody. Mm-hmm. I was living for about a month, maybe two months. March and April as baseball season started. Like, there is no tomorrow. I hope I make it through baseball season is what I was thinking. Baseball season started in 16. And I had already been to all the ESPN Sunday night games. And 
I started taking people with me a lot of games. Like in New York, I made a deal with the Yankees. I bought 104 tickets at half off two games in a row behind home plate area. I said, well, I, I, I can't die with the money. What am I going to do? But I think 104 people is way too much to meet everybody. Then I go to L.A. for the Dodgers-Giants series for four games, the Dodgers-Cubs. I made a deal with the Dodgers. I bought 25 tickets a game for six games in a row. And what I tell the team is I want half off. They're empty seats. I don't ask for them. I ask for them two days for the events happening. If you don't sell them to me, they're unsold seats. I'm going to go. If you don't want to do with Dodgers, I'll call somebody else. And usually, and Steve Schiffman, are you listening? I'll probably do it with the Royals. Yeah. Okay. This year. So I was bringing these people having such a good time. And then they told me, you're not dying in six months. I was hoping I'd just see the World Series of 16. I was just hoping it would be that one, which turned out to be the one with the Indians and the Cubs. Mm -hmm. And I was going everywhere. I had increased it from not just going to Sunday night baseball. I started going to Saturday night baseball, which is on Fox. I started going to Wednesday night baseball, which was ESPN. I was literally in 16 everywhere. And they said, how did it change? Well, when I found out I wasn't going to die, I said, I'm having too much fun. I'm not stopping this. I'm going to escalate it. And I'm going to do it every single day. So I told my office staff and lawyers, if I was to die or retire, I don't want this company to end. I want it to start running without me involved. I'm going to be the defensive coordinator. I'm not going to be a defensive lineman anymore. And I'll read all the work you do on the internet. I'll read everything on emails every day. Every mail that comes in, I want scanned as an image file and sent to me. And so in 2016, that's year I told you, I went to sporting events 301 days every day. But I escalated a lot. And that's when it really blew up. Well, it started in Kansas City in 14. Everybody went from hating me to like, I want a picture with that guy mm -hmm. in 16. Every time you turned on your TV, except for a golf event, if it was nationally televised, I was there. I became friends with the guys in the media. They would send me their schedules in advance, hoping I would go. And whereas ESPN never talked about me, they always talked about me in 16. They didn't talk about me at all in 14 and 15. Then ESPN and MLB got on board and started having camera crews follow me around. Because what happened was, what happened started here in Kansas City, the fans embraced me. Not because I'm an old white guy, but because I'm in the sports. And I told them what I mentioned to you once, I figured out what sports are. Sports is an escape from reality. When you're at a sporting event, you're not thinking about your mortgage or your illness or your problems with your parents or your kids. All you're thinking about is he better make that basket with two seconds to go. Or is he going to strike him out? Or is he going to win the game? Now, this year at the College World Series was a dream moment come true. People missed it. Media missed it. It was the elimination game of the World Series. Mm -hmm. It was the Gators versus I don't know who. And it was the bottom of the ninth inning, bases loaded, up by a run with a three and two count. Every kid in his life is imagining to win the championship. The pitcher hopes he gets strike three to win the game because he's up by one. The batter hopes for either a fly ball to tag the guy up to tie the game. Oh, no, it was two outs. He was hoping for a base hit to have the guy in second score to win the game. Okay, this happened with the Atlanta Braves with Sid Bream. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. when when he was on second base with his bad knees and he slid it home with a Francisco Cabrera hit. Right. Okay, so but in college baseball, 
Here's a situation for the World Series elimination final game, three and two count, and he kept fouling the ball off. It was so stressful. It must have been like six foul balls. And eventually the picture got strike three and one. Okay, that's sports. And I guarantee everybody in that stadium was not thinking about their parking tickets or problem with their boss or what color dress should they wear or what color makeup. or what. All sports is an escape from reality. It's humanity. It didn't start our generation. Go back to the gladiators with the Romans. And the, when they're watching the, the lion versus mm-hmm. the gladiator, they're not thinking about their problems. They don't have cell phones back then. Sure, they're not getting right. text messages. Right? Yeah. right? So – I figured that out. I also figured out that it brings areas together. No question. And I had seen that when cities were diverse and they get a winning team, it brings everybody together. Blacks, whites, Latins, Americans, Catholics, Jews, everybody is united. And I felt that's what our country needed. And we didn't have a voice speaking up against it. So what happened was, and it was 2016, there was a lot of media and press about how the police are brutally beating the blacks or strangling the blacks. And there was a poor black guy who got suffocated on the sidewalks and I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. I think it was in New York. Mm-hmm. And they came up with that phrase, Black Lives Matter. I was doing an interview, I think it was in Chicago, and they asked me, what do you think about that? Which has nothing to do with sports. And I said, this is like, what, four years ago? Because it might have been 2015 even. And I said... You know what? I remember I was looking away because I'm the film. Old lives matter, young lives matter, white lives matter, black lives matter, Jewish lives matter, Catholic lives matter, all lives matter. Well, all they put out was that all lives matter. And that went everywhere. And all of a sudden, the phrase all lives matter started. And I'm the one that started that. I'm the one that started all lives matter. By accident, I didn't plan it. Mm-hmm. And then I began to see the positive effect I could have. So when I was going in other cities, I would, which started in Kansas City, I would start to teach the kids in uh, assemblies, they call them assemblies, that their real heroes are not me, going back to Sarah Jessica Parker's son. I'm not a hero. I'm not a legend. I'm not sitting home at night worried about you. I'm not going to risk my life for you. I'm going to teach you who real heroes are. And I started teaching the kids, starting at Hazel Grove Elementary over here in Lee Summit, that the real heroes are their parents who sacrifice every day to put clothes on their back, food in their stomach, and a roof on their heads. Their parents are not going out to clubs and partying every night anymore. They're getting up early in the morning to get their kid to school. The real hero are the teachers in the room. So I have the kids stand up for the first time in their lives, these young kids, and give a standing ovation to the kids, uh, uh, teachers. I also say, see over there the guard? The guard will take a bullet and die before he lets somebody hurt you, which is so ironic because of what just happened in South Florida where I live. Mm-hmm. And I also say that you need to also honor your police and your first responders and the firemen. And you had the fireman who just passed away in Kansas City. And I said, those military Police officers and firemen are the ultimate pay-forward people. They risk their lives every day for absolute total strangers. Nobody's making them do it. They're not appreciated enough. You worship the Kardashians. You worship the rappers. I tell the kids, see those people on TV and MTV? That's not their car. Those aren't girls they're dating or sleeping with. 
A lot of those girls, some of them are my secretaries. They're doing modeling on the side. They're all rented for the video. Right. So don't look up to these guys. It's fake. Your real heroes are your parents, the police, the firemen, teachers, and the military. So I have actually trademarked. I haven't put it out there so that you can't use it. I own the phrase, not all heroes wear capes. I also own that, too. You know, you, you mentioned the firefighters, and, and, and that kind of brings us to the, the bonding of this city. I, I think when the Royals were doing their winning in 14 and 15, and, and I always get choked up thinking about it, the, the way that this city came together, it wasn't about baseball. Baseball was in the backdrop of what was going on here in Kansas City, and that was Kansas City rediscovering itself, finding itself again, realizing who we were as people, and coming together and supporting each other, and helping this guy beat cancer, and that guy beat cancer, and this woman beat this, and that. I mean, there's so many great stories were able to be told because of the Royals and their success. And in '15, we had the the Casey Mo firefighters die right then and there during the uh, the, uh, the the World Series. You donated ten thousand dollars to those guys and, the, and to their family. How, how did your kind of love for the first responders start? I was in Chicago at the Mets-Cubs NLCS game. And I received a phone call from my office that the police chief of Fort Lauderdale had got a phone call from the police chief of Kansas City. They wanted to know if I would wear a hat that they were going to sell to promote it. And that the Royals, who he knows, I don't like the Royals asking me to change clothes, the Royals team had agreed to wear the hat, and MLB vetoed it. They said they had contracts with their apparel vendors they couldn't violate. Mm-hmm. So I said, what are you talking about? What happened? And they told me the story. And I had friends who were, I represent the National Firemen and Oilers, which is the firemen down there. I represent the firemen. My friend represents the police officers. Richard Chait represents the police. I have the firemen. If you get hurt on the job and you're a fireman, I'm your lawyer. And Dave Broward in Palm Beach. So I said, what happened? And they told me the story. I said, I'll do it. So when I got to Kansas City, Tyler, if you're listening, I'll give this out to Tyler. Tyler brought me the hat. And then I walked up to your radio station, had a booth. Mm-hmm. And I walked up and I said, this is a hat that nobody has but me. I have the one hat that says KCFD on it. They're going for sale tomorrow for like $25 each, I think. And I'm not positive. I think $10 goes to each family and $5 goes to hat. I'm not sure how it was broken down. Let's buy hats. And I promoted the hat. And I went around to – I started with your station. Then later on in the day when I started broadcasting live from the World Series, because you guys were there all day. Mm-hmm. You were there all day. The TV stations came online about an hour, hour and a half before the game started. I went around wearing the hat, promoting the hat. Then in the game, I intentionally wore my visor to start, and I changed into the hat. And it became a huge story. Oh, my God. The Royals must have made the Marlins man change into that hat because of what happened the year before. That was planned. Then I started telling everybody, no, no, no. I started putting on my Twitter. No, this isn't Royals. This is a hat you can buy. So I used that to help to promote the hat. Then they raised some money, but it wasn't as much as I thought it was going to be. I thought they would sell like 20,000 hats. I think they sold like, I don't know. They ran out of hats. But I want to say they sold like seven thousand. I'm not sure. It's still seventy thousand mm-hmm. dollars a family. So I decided I'd donate some money. So instead of going to the game, who was playing in L.A.? There was a game. I think it was the Mets Dodgers. There was some game, 
that was in out there, and it was, the tickets were going to cost me a certain amount of money. I said, you know what? Instead of me going to that game, let me just stay in Kansas City. Let me go to this place called Power Light I've never been to, and let me go walk around and watch the game there. So I took the money I would have spent on tickets and decided to give it to the families and made it anonymous. I didn't tell anybody. That's not what I'm about. I don't market myself. I don't say the name of my law firm or my companies. The fireman, the fire union put it out there to try and raise more. And I was happy I did that. I never envisioned how much it would change my life. It totally changed my life. After the World Series was over, they had the idea, let's do a fundraiser. So I went to this place called the Westport Flea Market mm-hmm. where they have these really good hamburgers. Right. And they had a fundraiser there. And I just thought it was going to be a bunch of fans giving money. To my shock, my absolute shock, I met Frank Wright. And I met uh, um, Willie Wilson and a bunch of former Royals players who came over. Plus, which I didn't know, I met the families of Larry and John. Met their families. And we raised a lot of money. And then the firemen showed up. I got to meet them and take pictures with them. And the mascot of the Royals, the guy with the mustache holds the big W. Right. Okay. He was at your baseball game. Casey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got to become friendly with them. And they invited me to come over to the houses and our barbecue. I became friendly with those people. So, like, um, John um, Mesh's brother invited me, for example, this year to go to the fundraiser they had the last week in baseball season, the ski shooting one over in Lexana, I think it's called. Lenexa. Lenexa. Yeah. I think we raised, if John's listening, about $60,000 or something. So I just told John today and yesterday, because I went out, him and I went and visited the fire stations on Sunday. Was it Saturday? I went to each station for like four hours. And they rode me around in the fire truck. And I made friends with those guys. Well, what I did back then when the Royals won the World Series, I had met from previous trips to the sports licensing convention in Vegas the manufacturers of the jackets. So I designed a World Series jacket that nobody else had. They had one for sale here. I went to manufacture. I designed it. I ordered 100 jackets, 50 for each fire station. I made World Series Royals jackets that are reversible. One side looks just like the jacket the team wore during the World Series. When reverse it, it's a World Series trophy. And the years, the two years the Royals won the World Series. Gave it to all the firemen. Now they love me, and I'm friends with them. So when I come up, I visit them, and a couple of times they put me in the bucket up in the air, 10 stories high, and um, I became friends with them, which I never would have envisioned. And when I went to um, Station 10 the other day, which I did not know, I saw this beautiful thing on the wall, and I'm going to show it to you. It's a, it's a f- made out of fire hoses. It's an American flag made out of fire That's hoses. That's cool, yeah. It's super cool. And what I didn't realize, I read the plaque on the bottom. It says, in honor of 13-year veteran John Mesh, hmm. who passed away October 12, 2015, Pumper 10. So this is, I didn't even know that when I first saw that. That's super cool. That's awesome. And for your audience, each hose is either red or white, mm-hmm. which makes the American flag. And then the blue part is painted on, on, on three blue hoses. They painted on the f- white stars. So I became, that's a side thing I never thought would happen. Whenever I come to Kansas City, I visit them. I also wear their shirts they gave me underneath my Marlins jerseys. I always have worn since 2015 either a Station 10 or Station 17 shirt. Every single game I go to, I have about six or seven shirts each. So when Major League Baseball was following me this year, 
They want to show how the wireless man gets ready. When I went to get dressed, it didn't even occur to me I was wearing a Kansas City Fire Department shirt. And that became a big story. Like, wait, he's wearing a KCFD 10 shirt. Okay? Um, and now the country has gotten on board with the Marlins Man movement of paying it forward and doing good for strangers and honoring our real heroes of the police, the firemen, the military, your parents, and teachers. And that's what I'm about. What's the moment for you that made you realize all this is worth it? There wasn't a moment as compared to a period of time in 2016 when I saw the happiness on people's faces who, like everybody else, we all have problems. We have problems we don't tell people about. And to see the happiness I put on people's faces when the kids run up to me, when I would see people in wheelchairs. Now, I was living, I was once paralyzed in high school, out of high school. I was living in a wheelchair for like a year with a bad heart infection and a bad back. So I appreciated they couldn't come to me. So like when I go the other night, when I, two nights, I went to the Jayhawks games. The first thing I do when I walk in an arena, I visit the people in the wheelchairs. And I take pictures with anybody who wants one. And they're like, hi. They get so excited. They're glowing. They're beaming. They show me the picture in their phone from last year. They want another picture. I'm giving these people happiness that makes me hold back tears and not want to cry to make their day. Okay? And I don't care. Like people say, they want to be, sorry. Sorry, I'm doing them first. Well, we got, I don't care about the TV cameras. I'm doing them first. And I'll visit every single person behind the basket from one end to the other before the game starts. Then I'll go visit the student section too. And to see the happiness that I bring to others, I realize that's kind of like my calling on this earth right now. And that's what I do everywhere. You're, you're getting choked up about Yeah, I'm trying that. not to right no, now. No, that's okay. Because, <laughs> uh, because uh, you know, I, I get it when I think about the Royals 14 and 15. I mean, I, I think there, there are days, it's a random Tuesday, you find yourself just going, wow, I still can't believe the joy and happiness that they and, brought. And how and, it brought, you know, I'll tell you something else, too. I forgot to mention and, this. And, and that's something that people don't understand with sports. I mean, why are you such a sports fan? Because the good so outweighs the bad, and the happiness that you see on okay. people's faces is just incredible. Bob, after the Royals won the World Series, oh, no. When you won in Kansas City and you went to New York, nobody thought you were winning in New York. They told us in New York, when we were there on the weekend, the Royals told us, everybody there, the World Series party is going to be Friday. We're going to win it in Kansas City, either game six or seven, either Tuesday or Everybody Wednesday. wanted to win it here. but Yeah, know. okay? Mm -hmm. And everybody said that. We're going to win it Friday. Nobody thought you are going to beat Harvey on Sunday. So now... As I told you, we at 2.30 in the morning, we're in Times Square. On Monday, I see Zobris' dad in Times Square. Nobody told us the parade was the next day, Tuesday. The first I heard about the parade Tuesday was Tuesday. When I'm walking down the street in New York and people are showing, all the TVs in the windows are showing Kansas City, Union Station, with this blue. I said, these crazy people in Kansas City, they painted the grass blue. Because when I was there, all the fountains were blue. They made them all blue. Mm -hmm. I said, they went out and they painted all the grass outside Union Station and the World World War Memorial blue. And people said, no, that's not grass. That's people. What? So I went and I looked at the TV carefully. It was insane. I go, what is there, half a million people out there? It turned out it was like 800,000. Mm -hmm. It brought the city together. People stood out in the sun for miles. I heard people park their cars and abandon their car like two miles oh, away. That was crazy, yeah. And they walked in for this. The whole city came together. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking to myself, 
That only can happen in Kansas City and Detroit. They'll be rioting. They'll be turning over the cars. Like what happened with Philadelphia. They'll be riot, They'll be burning down the city. That's what happened with Detroit one with the hockey team. And I said, Kansas City set the bar. People only can match. I heard they had 800,000 people. They only had six arrests. None of them were anything big. It was like, you know, for something stupid. But no fights. Where do you have 800,000 people together? 800,000. And there's no fights. Right. No bathrooms. No nothing. Okay. Yeah. No food. No water. Okay. And I missed that. And I was really sad I missed it, especially because the fire department told me if I they wrote me a message, if you're here for the parade, don't be the crowd. Come get in one of our trucks. They wanted to put me in one of their trucks. Um, but I was in New York, and I had no idea this was going on. I actually thought the parade was Friday. So you missed it. I missed it. It was a great day. It was an outstanding day. You're, you do a lot of great things for people all the time. Does anyone do any great things for you? They let me be me. Except the Marlins. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, wherever I go, they say, just leave him alone. He's got his heart in the right. Like, I go to any other city. I don't care if it's Kansas City or Pittsburgh or Chicago or St. Louis. They just let me be me. I walk wherever I want. I do whatever I want. And they just like that. They just like it. Yeah, they feel my heart's in the right place. You know, and I have only had problems in Cleveland. Of all the places I've been, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's really cool because <laughs> when he... I get a phone call in 2016, 2016, because 15 was ESPN. And this guy calls me and says, I don't know who you are. I know nothing about you. But my mom says I'm missing the greatest story in sports. Well, who are you? He tells me his name. What do you do? I'm the producer of CBS News. And I say, this is the producer of CBS News calling me. I go, what do you want from me? He says, I'd like to know it would be okay if I had some camera crews follow you. Because I don't know what's going on. I'm not a sports guy. But I'm hearing this is a really great story. Nobody's hit on it. And I want to do it. So I want to fly camera crews from New York. This is 15. From New York. And I want to get my best reporter who's in Washington. And I want them to follow you in Kansas City and in Chicago. So that was during before the World Series. That was the... Uh, Championship series rounds. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I don't know what's going to happen in Chicago, but I'm going to tell you in Kansas City I'm going to be mobbed. I'm used to that already, though. He goes, I hope so. Let's see what happens. So we go to Kansas City, and sure enough, we get mobbed, as usual. And in Kansas City, when I talk to people, I want to talk and meet people. I just take photos. I get to talk. to, And they wait patiently in line like I've never seen anywhere else before. And they spin me around 360 degrees taking photos. And it's nice. We go to Chicago, and I have no idea what's going to happen. This is definitely 15, because 16, they love me. And I hadn't really spent a lot of time in Chicago. And they rented one of these rooftop places. Sure, those are awesome. Yeah. The right field yeah. things. Yeah. And they interviewed me up there, and it's sunsetting. And it's really pretty. And they're talking to me about me and, you know, how did this happen? A lot different than you are. More like how did you get involved with baseball and why baseball? And, and you know, are you trying to sell yourself? And they asked me, like, you know, When's it going to stop? And I said, I had never thought about that. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think it will stop when I die. And the guy said, what do you mean when you die? I said, I'm not a messiah, but I see I make people happy. In Miami, they don't care about me. I'm not Latin. I don't, they don't care about me. I'm a nothing in Miami. But every other city I go to, I make other people happy. 
Ironically, if Miami was ever to fall in love with me, what I do, I'd probably get more business from my company, which is only in South Florida, not nationwide. But when I see what I do for people, and I've never seen anything like this before, there's nothing to compare to it. There was once years ago when the NFL guy wore a rainbow wig. Sure. He just was on TV in the NFL. He didn't do good for strangers. He didn't promote the police and the firemen and parents and stuff. He didn't bring other people. I can't think of anything that's even close to what I've done. And I thought, what is it going to stop? And I said, probably like when I die. Well, it might stop sooner now because of Trump. Because Trump did something that hasn't hit any media yet. And I don't know why it hasn't been a media story. I talked to ESPN about it. They said, we don't agree with you, but I turned out to be right. In December, Trump changed the law. Mm-hmm. Okay? He totally took away any deductions you can make for donating to schools. Now, when you want to buy tickets to City KU, the ticket itself is 100 bucks, but you have to donate 50000 100000 to the Alumni Association. Same thing with Florida State. I give millions of dollars to Florida State and Miami. You can't deduct it anymore. They also wiped out ticket expense. Yep. That never happened before. So all of a sudden now, like... I met with my accountant the other day. I I know, believe me. So I, I told yeah. ESPN, you're miss I told this guy Darren Ravel, Darren, you're missing the story, man. This is a huge story. My friends at Florida State, they're freaking out because they say, Oh my God, we live off of donations that we receive from our basketball and our football teams. And everybody's saying we're not giving the money anymore. The same thing with tickets. So now I cannot expense any more tickets and donations. And that might change everything for me. I might be able to take, let's say, if I can't write off half, I might take half as many people. I won't stop what I'm doing. But, for example, I have 10 Marlins season tickets. That's 81 home games a year. That's 810 tickets. I can only use, I only use about 50 myself. I have 24 Florida State tickets, season tickets. That's six games a year. You know, I had pant- I had everybody's tickets. Now, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. So that's change. it won't stop, but it's going to be downsized. No doubt about it. All right, Marlins, man, we got two minutes on the clock. We call okay. it the final drive. I'm going to try to fire as many questions or topics at you and get as many answers as possible. So we're going to make it rapid. All right, let's start this thing now. Derek Jeter incident. Out of his league. Doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. Rookie. Rookie. He's a Hall of Fame player. Rookie. And he's not going to get Rookie of the Year owner. Would Alex Gordon have scored in Game 7? Absolutely. There's no question in my mind from what I saw. He jogged the first base, and then he stopped on third, and he would have easily scored in Game 7. What do you tell people about Kansas City? They have no idea how great it is, and it's the best people in the country. What is the coolest thing you've done here in Kansas City? Been in the top of the bucket of the fire truck in a lightning storm. When was that? <laughs> the first time I came, they put me up in the truck, and it was – a little rain on the West Coast, and all of a sudden I started seeing lightning coming down. I go, what am I doing up here? And they're like, all right, we didn't see the lightning. We're bringing you down. <laughs> you know, how would you like to be 10 stories in the air on a metal bar? No. <laughs> right, I'm you're not a lightning interested rod. in that. I'm not interested. Who do you want to meet? That oh, you know what else is cool? Yeah. When the Chiefs quarterbacks, which was Nick Foltis and Alex Smith, mm-hmm. had a thing at the fire station. I was there. I got to meet them, and they all knew who I was. That's cool. People don't realize that the quarterback who won the Super Bowl was on the Chiefs in 16. Yeah, last year. Who do you want to meet that you haven't met? I don't know. Who do I want to meet I haven't met? I don't know. I haven't met him yet. All right. 
That's fair. What haven't you been to that you want to go to? Everything. Event-wise, everything. I, every, I, I made a point to if I wanted to go, I wanted to go in person to see what I used to watch on TV. Everything I've seen. And we'll leave you with this. People wish they were you. Who do you wish you were? I was asked that before. And I would say if I got to die and come back, I want to come back as me. But the only thing I wish I had done differently in my life is I wish I had dated girls who were in their 30s ready to get married instead of dating girls in their 20s who just want to play and have fun. That's the honest to God truth. Marlon, man, thank you so much. All right, thank you, and I love, good luck on your show. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with arguably the most famous sports fan of all time, Lawrence Levy, Marlins man. He's seen it all. He's done it all. He's got great stories to tell, and he's been to every sporting event I think that we all wish we could be at sitting in those great seats. Next edition of the Bobcast coming up soon, so stay tuned and find out who's next on the Bobcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.